But I want you to get in your Bibles. I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 17, and we'll get to it in just a second. Is this thing on? All right, Psalm 17. I want you to see this. I'm going to give you some visuals with it. You know, today, do you ever feel like that's what today looks like? You're carrying a challenge on your back. You don't know if you're going to make it. And then you're maybe pushing a boulder up the, up the, up the hill. Have you ever felt like that? Well, today... I did something. I, I started looking on, uh, online real quick, and I wanted to give you some things that are in the news right now. How many of you like to watch the news? I will tell you this, don't watch it too much. And if you watch it and, and, you, and you see certain things, they'll cycle through and you'll see the same thing over and over again. It's amazing what we remember. Did you notice that there was a young lady playing the organ tonight? Wave at me, Caitlin, back there. All right, Caitlin is Daniel's younger sister. And I have memories of her. The last time I saw her, she was sleeping in the back of her car. But it was when I was preaching at our, at our, at our, church, at our um, car thing. She said she was tired, but she had her head up against the window and she had her mouth open. I, she said she's praying. I don't think she was. It's amazing how we remember things, isn't it? And so today I was like thinking, and I, and I just went through, and I just wanted to show you these these are the eight stories. If you were to look at the news right now, here's what you'd find. There was a bomb in Beirut. And I, and I heard today, maybe it wasn't a bomb. Maybe they just put some things in the wrong spot. Can you imagine being in charge of those and it blew up an entire area and they're saying over 130 people might be dead from it? 4,000 people injured? So that's what you get in the news. You'd also hear about the tornadoes and the hurricanes that came through. Went through North Carolina and now it's going all the way up. There's a lot of things going on in the world right now. The third one you might hear is, have you ever heard of this? COVID-19. Something new that just came out this week, right? I guarantee you, you watch the news, it's going to come up there. And the next one, jobs in the future. Talking about all those. The fifth one you might see is school starting. And parents are going, please, Lord, let it start. Um... Sports and entertainment. I, I love sports, but I don't miss them. In fact, I thought it was very funny that the one guy that didn't, didn't sit, didn't kneel, did you hear about that? The one guy that didn't kneel, his uniform sold out on Amazon.com right after the game, and he's not one of the prominent players. But you hear about entertainment, you hear about sports, the next one is defend, uh, defunding the police and the riots. You're going to see those if you watch the news. And the last one, of course, is Biden, Trump, elections and politics. Aren't you thankful for all those commercials? And just wait until the 1st of November when it's, it's every commercial is that way. You know, when you look at this, you could really get discouraged real quick watching the news, couldn't you? And I always tease Terry Larkin. Terry Larkin doesn't watch the news. So like I'll say, now you know about, and she'll go, huh. And I wish I could live in that bubble, but I can't. You know, you, you look at these things, and, and then you think this. What do you do to not be brought down with everything you hear? What do you do when things are happening in your life? What do you read? Well, I kept thinking, what do I read? What books of the Bible do I read when I'm discouraged? You know what the best book in the Bible to read? Psalms. Because when you read Psalms, you'll realize real quick that God is still in control and you still need to praise Him. Those two things don't ever change. 
He wants to hear our voice. He wants to hear our praise. And so you look at all these, and you can get devastated by all these things, just nonchalantly. They're just, they're just nailing you and nailing you. You listen to, the, you listen to the, I listen to talk radio, and, and I'm listening to talk radio, and they're, all, they're talking about one of these eight things. And so, and then you get on TV and you watch Fox News, you watch anything, you're going to see all these things just recycling and recycling. And it just gets where it wears on you. Now, I want you to, I want you to look at this. Today, instead of focusing in on this, we're going to look at some Psalms and Proverbs. I was thinking, what can I do to encourage you by Psalms and by what the Bible says? You know, there's some, ver some stories in the Bible I probably wouldn't read because it would disappoint me too. You know, but as you, as you study Psalms and Proverbs, they were written by mostly David in Psalms and Solomon in Proverbs, a, son and, uh, a father and a son. And as I was studying these, I came across one that was very interesting. And, and I want to ask you, when you go through all these things, what is affected in your life? When you start thinking about all these things that are going wrong, you know, I've got, I've got some people that are relatives, that's all they think about is everything that's gone bad. And it drives them. And when you, when you get driven with something that's bad, what does it do to you? It affects, a part, it affects you in certain ways. And let me kind of show you what I mean by this. Do you think this is affected? Do you think your mouth is affected by what you watch? What you hear, what you see? Oh yeah, and, and that's not my mouth. I can't grow a beard, okay? But um, as, as you look at this, aren't we affected by that? What about this? What about our brain? I find myself watching the news, and Bernard, I start getting dis I get discouraged by, by what they're saying. And, and, and I'm taking my focal point off of what it should, should be. It shouldn't be about what's going on today, but I'm telling you, it's going to affect my, my mouth, what I talk about. It's going to talk about my brain. It's going to affect my heart. And I don't want my heart to be affected, amen? And so as we go through this, the, the fourth one, it's going to affect what we do. You don't think it does? How many of you are washing your hands more than you've ever washed your hands before in your life? Josh McCann made some, I'm going to put a spill in for you. He makes this stuff at Markham's Pharmacy that, that is for hand sanitizer. And I love it. It's probably my favorite one I've ever used. It dries real fast. But I've never used that much hand sanitizer in my life. I mean, if, if you had stock in a hand sanitizer company, you'd have some good stock right now. And if you had stock in Clorox wipes and toilet paper and paper towels, you'd have a good stock pro profile in your, in your aspect of it. So it affects what we do, but it doesn't affect this, doesn't affect where we go. Is there places you won't go? I was, I'm not going to say where I was, but there was a place I went and everybody looked dirty. I, I wanted to use hand sanitizer just by looking around. You know, it, it, it affects where we go. And the last thing, look at all these things. It affects our mouth, what we say, our brain, how we think, our soul, our heart, our hands, our feet, and it also affects our eyes. It affects what we watch. So you get all these things and you know what? They can really discourage you, can't they? So how do you get out of that? How do you understand what God has for you? Well, I want you to turn in your Bible to Psalm, and we're going to look at Psalm 17. And what we honestly need today is this. We need in our life as a Christian, we need this. We need our heart and our brain going in the same direction. 
If you don't have your heart and your brain going in the same direction, it's going to affect you all the way across the board. I, I, would, I would dare you to do this. I would dare you to read um, Paul, the Pauline epistles, especially Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and read those and put in perspective how many times he talks about the mind. He talks more about the mind than he really does the heart. Remember that big list, he says, what sort of things are honest, just, it goes through that whole list. At the very end, he goes, think on these things. Because it's your brain. And you've got to get these two going in the right direction, or it's going to drive you crazy. It's apocalyptic in your mind. I mean, and how many of you in here, if I said, listen, I have, a not, I have an expense paid trip to Seattle, and I'll pay for the whole thing. How many of you would go? Okay, there's two. Okay, Lily and Holly. Okay, all right. But if I said, okay, I'm going to give you a full expense paid trip to Los Angeles, New York City. Well, what about Portland? Port how many of you have ever been to Portland? Portland's a beautiful city. But how many of you would like to go now? And I, and I would say, listen, I'll put you right downtown in the middle of the action. I'll pay for everything. Would you go? I wouldn't go. You know why? Because our heart and our brain tells us not to. And so when you're looking at this, I want, you, I want to just say this. How do you get through tough times? How do you get through tough times? Um, Psalms is there for reassuring and comforting us. There's some Psalms I read and I just think, man, that is just a great Psalm to read. And, and, and I think David was self-motivated so much. And as you get through this, let me just ask you this simple question about David. If I were to take a survey in here, give you a piece of paper and say, what do you think was David's toughest time? What would you say? Now, if I, if I were to say, Daniel, what's Daniel's toughest time? What would people say? It'd be easy. It would be what? In the lion's den. If I were to say, what was the toughest time for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What would it be? It would be when they were cast in the fiery furnace. And we know more stories than those, about those three boys and Daniel. Than, but when you say David, that's a different story. Moses went through a lot. We talked about him, a, God, a man God moved. But here when you talk about David, give me something that you think would be David's roughest thing that he went through. Anybody, raise your hand and tell me. Yes. The passing of his son. That's rough. What would you say? Absalom. That one's a tough one. Yes. What would you say? Saul coming after him. And you think about the story of Saul. He was the one playing the music to console him. And then he tries to kill him. What's the one all the kids would say? Goliath. And you know, right before Goliath, what did he say he did? And some of us think, oh, that's, that's a minute story. He killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands. Anybody in here done that? <laughs> but there were some other things too. What about Uriah? That was a rough time for him. He tried to cover it and cover it and cover it. I've got a couple other things. What about Bathsheba? What about his brothers when they were making fun of him and they didn't want him to do things? I mean, you look at his life and you try to answer that question, it's hard to answer. If I were to say it, there's two things I would say that were the roughest thing, and it's not going to be Goliath. I would say it would be the, the death of Absalom and the death of the child. And then I would say Saul. And the only reason I would say Saul 
is because of everything that Saul that he did for Saul and everything that Saul did back to him. And then there's a, there's a complication in the matter, and it's a guy by the name of Jonathan. I mean, you think about it. Just think about that question. What was David's toughest time? Because David writes a lot of the Psalms to encourage people because he went through tough times. And when we think about all the things that David did, it doesn't even come close. I mean, he, he is so far further along than where we are. I mean, ours is the economy. Ours is a sickness. Ours is, the, is, is a country that doesn't know right from wrong. But can you imagine what he thought of when Absalom was coming after his kingdom? Can you imagine what he thought when Saul was chasing him? Let's go ahead, and I want you to see in this, we're going to read um, Psalm chapter 17. I want you to follow along with me as we go through it, and I want to show you some things in here that you'll see, that, and I'll show you what this verse means. In fact, if you look at it, look at the beginning of verse, uh, chapter 15, uh, or Psalm 15. What does it say? Right underneath Psalm 15. Psalm of David. And then verse number, and, and you'll see that all the way through. But look what it says under Psalm 17. What's it say? A prayer of David. Now let's read this through, and I just want you to follow along as we go through these 15 verses. Follow along with me. It says, Hear the right, O Lord. Attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of thy, thy feigned lips. Feign means word fake. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart, thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not tr transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the words of lips, I have kept me, I have kept me from the path of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy path, hold that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee, thou, for, thou, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech." Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand, them which, put their them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Now here is where I think he's telling you where he's at in his life, in verse number 9. I think he wrote this by these verses. He wrote this when Saul had him surrounded. Didn't know how he was going to get out of it. Read this next verse. It says, From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about. They're enclosed in their own fat. With their mouth they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. I can almost see him telling this story. And he's praying this prayer. He's saying, listen, Lord, I'm going through this. How do I get out of this? Saul is chasing me. I can't, I can't figure out how I'm going to get out of this. And then it keeps reading. It says this. It says, arise, O Lord, disappoint him. Cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. From men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world, which have their portion in this life, and whose belly thou fillest with, a, with thy hid treasure. They are full of children, and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall, shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. You know, you read it and you go, wow, he starts talking about all this thing, and then he ends on a good note. He says, listen, at the last verse, and we'll get to that in just a second, but as for me, I will behold the face in righteousness. So here I think he's writing this. When Saul is chasing after him, he makes this prayer. 
It's interesting when you think about Saul because I don't know when Saul found out he was anointed, but David was anointed to be king. And the whole time David is running from Saul, the whole time David has already been anointed to be the king later. And so it doesn't, it doesn't as, as I'm reading this, I would be thinking if I was David, but God, you said I was going to be king and now I'm running, I'm living in caves. And if you've ever read the story about who David runs around with, who he's sleeping with in these caves, they're scary people. It'd be like us going to maximum security places where there's murderers, mass murderers, there's thieves, and, and then someone say, just fall asleep amongst these people, you'll be okay. I think it was probably worse than Daniel in the lion's den. The lions had to follow God. And, and these guys are following David, and they like David, and they love David, but there's some rascals in that group. And so here you're looking at this and you say, well, Pastor Wagner, how do I, do I watch all these things and, not, and be influenced by all these things and not let them influence my heart and my mind and my hands? Well, let's look at this. The first thing you must do, and this is probably one of the hardest ones, is this. In Psalm 17 is guard your mouth. Watch what you talk about. There's enough, if you listen to my message on Sunday night, there's enough to be, there's, we're supposed to have happiness. We're supposed to have laughter in our life. We're supposed to have kindness in our heart. We don't have to sit there and go, oh, wow, this is bad. We're back there, Daniel's uh, mama's back there with him. And I, and I think where, his, where their church is, it's in the heart of almost D.C. That's a wonderful place to live in, man. That's great, amen? I could pick up some other places I'd rather live, but here they're sitting there, and you have no idea what's going on. Well, how do you do it? You've got to watch your mouth. Look at verse number three. Watch what it says. David says this, and we've already read it, but watch what it says. In verse number three, it says, Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. I think David realizes the first thing that goes is what you say. I want you to flip to another, another verse. I want you to Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 18. De, um, um, of course, Solomon writes this, and I want you to see some of these verses. This has got to do with your mouth. Have you ever said something and said, I probably should have said that? Anybody done that? Me and Mark are the only ones, amen? Okay, Randy does it because he's got a smile underneath that mustache over there. Um, but we've got to see this. I want you to see Proverbs chapter 18, verses 6 says this. It says, the fool's lip enter into contention and his mouth calleth for strokes. What does that mean? <laughs> any child, any man in here understand what that means as a little child? Strokes is not a good thing. Amen? Read that one more time. It says this, A fool's lip, lips enter into contention and his mouth calleth for strokes. I never realized how, how long my mom's arms were when I was younger. I thought I could just kind of get back in that chair and in the back of the car. And then all of a sudden, she had this like three-foot extension on her right arm. And she'd, and she'd pull me up there. And she would correct me. One time I remember, how many of you ever ridden when you were younger, about my age, how many of you ever ridden in a, in a Volkswagen Bug? Do you remember what was in the back window? It, was like, it looked like a bathtub in the back window. I thought, man, I'm going to get back there and she'll never catch me. Somehow she pushed the seat back going 60 miles an hour, grabbed me out of that thing and <laughs> yanked me out. That was the worst thing that could ever happen because she banged me on the head on the roof and then threw me on the floor. I understand what this verse means, strokes. 
Look what it says. It says a fool's, a, a fool's lips enter into contention, his mouth call for strokes. A fool's mouth is his destruction, his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are the wounds, and they go down into the uttermost parts of the belly. If you keep reading, there's a couple more verses. Go to verse number 20. In the same verse, chapter, it says this. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruits of his mouth. And the increase of his lips shall, be, shall he be filled. And then if you ever want to underline what your mouth can do, watch your mouth, guard your mouth, because look at verse number 21. 21 is probably one of the most, most profound verses when it comes to your mouth. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We have some young kids in here. If you want to destroy them, run them down with your mouth. It'll destroy them. You know, when I saw the pictures that kids made, I'm not about to go, you know you went outside the line. Let me show you how to do it. Now, I was just thankful that I got some from the younger kids. I was thankful they knew which end of the crayon to use. Amen? As we look at this, we've got to see... Now, look at this next verse. You don't need to turn to it, but Psalm 71.8 says this. It says, Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Now, go back to this story and realize this. David is being chased from Saul. He says, listen, I have determined not to let my mouth transgress against him. Because you know what sometimes we do? The first thing we do, we blame God for it. Instead of trying to look and see what... And I don't feel like I'm a saint. But I can tell you right now, I'm asking God why I'm going through this, and I don't understand it. But I know God has a purpose for it. God has a purpose for everything in your life. Don't, don't let your mouth just go because you can never take those things back. And God needs to hear it. This just came to me. Job, what did his friends say to him? They didn't say, they, they didn't say oh, just get an altar or make a sacrifice to, a, to an unknown God. What was the thing that they said? Curse God and die. His, their friends, his, his carnal friends, knew what to do. And David, through all this, with this, he said, listen, I'd rather do verse number 71, verse 8, let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all thy day. That is why in the New Testament they said David was a man after God's own heart. He was constantly, oh yeah, he had problems, he sinned. And he talked about it many times. He's an open book with it. So we've got to understand the first one, guard your, heart, guard your mouth. The second one is this. Go to prayer. Look what he says. In, go back to um, chapter 18, chapter 17. Go to verse number 1. It says, Hear the right, hear the right O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer. Prayer changes things. You watch your mouth, guard your mouth, and then go to prayer. Go to verse number 6. Verse number 6 says, I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech. Aren't you thankful that he hears you? Uh, I am thankful God hears me. Aren't you thankful that when you say something and you pray, God hears your prayers? Now, the thing is, He might not answer your prayers the way you want them. You know? He knows what's best for you. He knows what's good for you. Do you think, and you say, well, that's easy for you to say. Do you think David prayed that Saul would come and do everything that he did to him? Do you think David said, you know, one day I'm going to go feed my brother something, then I'm going to kill a giant. 
And while I'm out there in the, in the wilderness with my, with my sheep, I'm going to grab a bear by the mane and kill him. I'm going to grab a bear by the, by the mouth, by the head and kill it. And then, then an Absalom, I, I just want my son to die. He, he didn't want any of these. But God saw fit to make him, and God was making him. And the first thing that he always did is he guarded his mouth and went to prayer. And you know what's interesting about those? Those are hand in hand the same thing. It's what he's saying. It's his focal point of what he's doing. Because sometimes we can get really messed up, can't we? If you're at my house very long, well, at night we always watch Fox News for a little bit, and then we'll go, I can't take any more of this. It's, I'm done. I can't take any more of it. And, and, and I'll say, I've had enough. I can watch it for about 20 minutes and then I've had enough. You know why? Because things like that will affect us. So the, the third one is this. This is very, very in-depth. Just do what's right. Go, go to your Bibles and look at verse number 5. It says, Hold up my goings in thy path, for my footsteps slip not. I'll never forget, we had a youth pastor in, in our last place. And they went on the creeper trail. He had just bought a camera, and it's not the one on your phone, and, and a camera is not supposed to get wet. You know what I'm talking about? So if you've ever been, how many of you been on the creeper trail? You know, you can get off the creeper trail, get off your bike and walk through the creek. I don't know what he was thinking. But he wanted to film himself walking through the creek. He has his camera. And so he steps on a mossy rock. He slips, falls in the creek, just a creek. And, and, and this guy was six foot five. And the creek was probably about six foot four. And where he slipped in that water, you know what the, the only thing he did? He had enough common sense that when he fell in the water, his hand went straight up in the air and it was holding that camera. You know what happened? He lost his footing. He never thought in a million years he would trip and fall in the creek and, and it would be that deep in that one area, but it was. And I, and, I, and I knew his wife. His wife would have killed him if it would have ruined that camera. You know, we all have things that happen, but we want our foot set in stone where we know what we're doing. Look at this. Guard your mouth. Your mouth will be affected. Number two, go to prayer. That's your brain and your heart getting together. And the third one is do right. That's what your hands and your feet do. You just got to do right. You got to put this in there. Go to verse number, let's read that verse one more time. It says, Hold up my goings in thy path, for my footsteps slip not. And he could say this in the midst of one of the biggest storms he's ever had. Saul's chasing him and he's wanting to be killed. How many of you ever played, have, have you ever done that th where you played tag and someone wants to touch you? Wants to tag in, get you out? That's basically what Saul was doing, but he wanted to kill David. He was hunting him down and he didn't have anything better to do with his time. So he went after this man, this man after God's own heart. We've got to do what's right with this. And we've got to understand that God has something for us. And so, and I wrote this little statement down here. We keep evil out by doing right. You ever heard this? Finish the statement. An idle mind is the devil's, I've always, she says workshop, I've always heard playground is the devil's playground. So you know what you might as well do? You might as well do right. Who wants you to do wrong? Really with this, 
David had every right to have a bad attitude. But he didn't. But let me say this. I don't think it was an easy fight. I think he had to go back to what he knew. Because sometimes it's easy to do wrong. It's easy to cop an attitude. And here, he didn't do that. The, the fourth one is this. Look up. Go to verse 15. It says, verse 15, it says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. The first thing that he did is he looked for, looked for Christ. He wasn't, it wasn't about, wasn't about him. He was looking for God, and he wanted to put his focus in on that. Because sometimes, you know what we do? Now, what, what are we talking about here? We're talking about two things. In your life right now, when you go around and you, you check out what's going on in this world, there's two things. You've got to pick which one you want. Which one are you going to choose? If I were to show you this up here, which one would you choose? The problem or the solution? Solution is what you need to focus on. But most of the things when I read that eight list, those are all the problems. And you get so focused in on those that you just don't know... I, I honestly, the thing I, I, I would like to do is, at, at, on this little monitor, there's a little button. And when I go through something, I'm supposed to push the button. And then I'm supposed to log it down. And I said, what do you mean by that? She said, well, if you feel like your heart's beating fast or whatever, and you just push the button. I, and I said to the doctor, my wife is off the phone at this point, I said, does that mean like when my wife hits me, I have to push it so you know exactly when it happened? But I'd like, and I was just teasing with it. She doesn't hit me very, very hard anymore. She's, she's kind to me more. But, you know, when I was thinking about that, I wonder what my heart rate does when I watch news for too long. Because I can feel my emotions change. I can't see my heart not changing. So, like, we're on a sabbatical from as much as we possibly can with that. And, and as you look at it, we, we sometimes get so focused in the problem the problem with a Christian is just the things we go through. The solution is Christ. He's the one that's going to help you through it. You say, well, I've got a big problem. Well, you've got a big solution finder. And that solution is not in you and what you can do. It's in what God can do for you. And you go back to that verse that Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, what? Which, what's the next one? Strengtheneth me. We get so focused in on that. I remember when I, was, when I was over in North Carolina, well, actually I was in Illinois, and, and they, these guys said, hey, do you want to go shooting? I said, yeah, I'll go shooting. I, I, was, I was never raised with, with weapons and guns, but I said, yeah, I'd love to go shooting. They said, well, we're going to go skeet shooting and trap shooting, and said, we're going to take you. And so we went through this thing where there was 10 different things, 10 different things, where you, they'd fly off different ways, and you'd walk to the next one, and you'd, and you'd shoot, and we'd do all these things. We did 10 stations. When I got done, I, the first time I had done it, I had shot 69 out of 100. I thought that was pretty good. There's some that were bouncing on the ground, and, and, and it was funny because it was some of them were in the woods, and you could see where everybody was shooting the trees instead of shooting, the, shooting the, the rabbits that were bouncing on the ground. The little They're not really rabbits, but they're the, the clay things that were running on the ground. What do they call it? Clay? Pigeons or whatever. But you know when you shoot at those things, you have to aim in front of them to shoot them. And you fast forward at about 20 years, I had a guy in my last ministry that was the number one shooter in the state of North Carolina as a teenager. And so I was talking to him one day and I said, 
well, how many do you hit out of a hundred? And he goes, I hit a hundred. And I was like, no, really, how many did you hit? I hit a hundred. And finally I said his name, I said, listen, I said, don't lie to me, tell me how many you hit. He goes, I hit a hundred every time. I said, you, he said, you don't get in the rankings if you don't hit a hundred. If you hit 95, you're not in the top 10. And I was like thinking about that, and, and it really put a perspective on this, because it, how many of you ever done Skeeter Trap? Anybody in here done Skeeter Trap? Raise your hand. All right, me and Randy, and, and Daniel, and Bobby. And it's not as easy as it looks. You think, man, I can go up there and shoot that thing. I remember, I'll never forget that we, when we were in Illinois and we were shooting, some people don't just pay attention to things. One of the things, we were shooting over a lake. And I think I did really well in that. I think I hit 10 out of 10. We were walking away, and one of the guys with us from our church said, you know what was amazing to me? He said, we all shot, and there were five of us, 50 shots over that lake, and those ducks never moved. And I looked at him, and I was like, are you serious? He said, yeah, did you see those ducks? I said they weren't real. He said, you're kidding me. He said, I'd watch them, and I thought they were flinching and all this other stuff, but they would never fly away. Isn't it funny what people focus in on? They were, they were things floating in the, in, the, in the lake, and this guy was amazed. He could care less about the shooting. He was just amazed that the ducks didn't fly away. And to be honest with you, if they had flown away, I'd have been freaked out, okay? As we look at these things in our life, sometimes we get focused in on the wrong thing. What do you focus in on, the problem or the solution? And the last one is this. Trust in. What are you trusting in? I want to encourage you today to don't trust in what the media says. Amen? Don't trust in what people say. Anybody in here ever been let down by people? Everybody in this room has. We've been let down by solutions. We've been let, we've been let down, or, or situations. We've been let down by fr friends and family. But there's one thing you won't, you won't lose your trust in. And that's God. And, and sometimes, again, as I said, God doesn't answer everywhere, every time, the same way. And He doesn't answer what you want. We've all been down a path that we don't understand. And during that path, realize this, that God has not changed. David writes all these things. He says, listen, you've got to watch what you say. I'm not even going to let something come out of my mouth. But through this whole thing, I've prayed about this. I've prayed about it, and I want to make sure that I uplift your, your name. The third thing he did is we was looking at, he determined to do what's right, no matter what. He didn't have friends that say, curse God and die. He was just going to do what's right. The fourth thing is look up. Look, don't look at your situation. Look, look at the solution. But the fifth one is this. Go to verse number 13, and we'll be done. Verse number 13, he says this. He says, Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked which is thy sword. This is an urgency for David because he needed to get out of this situation. But you know what he did? He didn't look at his situation and get discouraged. He might have started out with discouragement, but he ended with verse number 15. As for me, I, shall, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. He turned it and said, listen, I am going to do what God wants me to do. And when you can't see 
you can still trust. We don't see everything. We don't see sometimes the battles between angels and demons. How many of you have ever had the privilege of reading a book? I want to see if anybody's read this book. It is called Piercing the Darkness. Anybody read that? Kathy, my wife. I want to challenge you. I don't agree with everything in that book. But when you read that book, you truly realize, Frank Peretti wrote it, you truly realize that there's a warfare out there. And it's a book you won't understand the first hundred pages. And then all of a sudden, I understand everything about it, and then you can't put it down. And as you read it, you'll go, oh my word, this is incredible what's going on. Because we don't realize the battle between angels and demons. And Satan wants to discourage you. Don't let him discourage you. Give it over to God and trust in Him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let's end it with quoting it. Everybody say it with me together. It's one of my favorite two verses. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. You know the problem with most, most people in America, most Christians in America, is the second part of that verse, first verse. Oh, we trust in God. Everybody, how, how many of you believe that you need to trust in God? When you have problems, we try to figure them out. Right? Brother Ellison's been working on our stuff around here. He tries to figure out our problems, amen? With the wires that we've ran. We try to figure it out. We've got to figure it out. We've got to figure it out. We've got to figure it out. But go back to that verse again. It says, trust the Lord with all thine heart. And then it says this, and lean not until they don't understand him. Solomon wrote that. We've got to get back to understanding. We won't know everything. But as the, as the preacher says, I've read the back of the book, and we win. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you this. God's still in control. Amen. Don't get discouraged by it. You say, well, I'm not discouraged. I come here and you talk about it, and then I get discouraged. Don't get discouraged by it. But I'm telling you right now, we live in a world that can be very discouraging. Here, you, I'll end it with this question. How many of you ever watched a political commercial, and you know they're lying to you. Raise your hand. Now, you're either one of two people. You either get mad, or you overlook it. You know what I do? I'll add the third one. I get mad and yell at the screen. And you know what that does? Watch this. Absolutely nothing. Because you know what? By the time I'm mad about that, Brother Shoop, the next guy lies to me. We've got to get back to these things. Watch your mouth. Watch what you talk about. Guard it. David had every right to talk about what was going wrong and to yell from the top of a mountain what Saul had done. A wicked king. And then he went to the Lord in prayer. He did right. He looked up. And the last thing was what? He trusted in something that he might not see all the way through it. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do in our life. You might not understand your situation. Every night I go to bed and I've got this thing strapped to me. I go, Lord, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? But in the same sense, Peggy, when I think that, I'm also thankful for why this thing's strapped to my back. So it has pros and cons. You just got to look for the good. What are you doing with it? Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the things that you do for us. 
I don't understand everything you, you do for us. And sometimes it's, it's in the darkness where we learn the most. We don't understand what's going on in this world. We've got all these things going on, the hurricane, the tornadoes, the riots. I mean, we just go through and we can just list everything that's going on. But Lord, through it all, you're still the one in charge. You know exactly what we need every step of the way. May we reflect on who you want us to be by what you're bringing us through. I don't know what some people are going through in here. I think of Bernard and Kathy as they're thinking about their granddaughter. What a rough thing to go through. I think of Brandon and Shasta as they're, they've got a new baby. Everything's new. What do we do? Sometimes we don't have to know what to do. We just need to work through it. We don't understand things. But it sure is good to know that you listen. It's sure good to know that you're in control. May we realize that when we look at what's going on in this world. Through all these problems and through these trials and these tribulations, Lord, you're in charge. We take our hands off of our attitude. We take our hands off of the, the direction we're going, but we give it over to you and say, listen, God, you're in control. We're just going to be with you. We're going to follow you. Lord, thank you for the love that you show to us. Thank you for that agape love, that unconditional love you show to us. May we exercise that to other people and may they see Christ in us. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to have Daniel come on up. He's got prayer list tonight. Thank you, Pastor, for that message tonight. Does anybody have a prayer request card they need to turn in? Anybody have a prayer request card? Anybody need a prayer request card to write something?